Hello, everybody, and welcome to the death of death. I am your host, as always, Nick Stewart. How's everyone doing? Hope you're doing well. Um, got a short episode. I, sometimes I say it's a short episode and it doesn't turn out to be so, but um, this is supposed to be a short one. I'm just really into what we talked about last week. We talked about post-millennialism and obviously didn't get into the full scope of everything, um, but we touched on mainly uh is it crazy to say that we're in the millennial kingdom right now and uh what what is kind of the function of satan in that uh, millennial kingdom based on what revelation 20 tells us and some other things in the bible so uh just sort of into the topic in general it's been you know kind of a main um fundamental part of the death of death since the beginning uh, kind of in the worldview of the show, but not really something we talk in uh, detail about a whole lot. So I uh, figured I'd do another episode clarifying something that I said last week um, that we were talking about. I was talking about Satan deceiving the nations. If you're new to the show, you will have to wait periodically while I take a sip of coffee. That's just something we do here. Um, Satan deceiving the nations, um, and I forgot to finish my thought. So the, the purpose of the millennium, as we know from Revelation 20, is that Satan is bound so that he can no longer deceive the nations. And we know, partly, we know that we're in that, that time frame because Jesus says that he's bound Satan. In Matthew 12, he says that. So uh, we are in whatever time frame Satan is bound and unable to deceive the nations. And all throughout the Old Testament, the nations are kind of this, um, you know, this word for like the pagan nations, like the nations that are not Israel, the nations not chosen by God, the Gentiles, the non-Jews. And so uh, what we see in the New Testament is that uh, Gentiles are now welcome into the kingdom of God. And Paul, you know, calls this the, uh, the great mystery in Ephesians three, he talks about this being the mystery, uh, that's been revealed to him that the Gentiles are now being brought into the, the one family of God. And so a key point I missed that I meant to talk about that I forgot to was that, um, a big part of Satan not deceiving the nations anymore. Obviously I did say that the gospel is gone everywhere in the world now. And so in a general sense, there's not really a nation on earth that's, that's uh, in the darkness about the gospel. Um, there are some nations that have more gospel than others, but uh, either way, the, the gospel has gone out. So that, that level of darkness and deception has not um, prevailed. You know, it's, it's uh, the gospel has expanded over the whole world and um you know also in the old testament we see that god's people are typically a remnant you know it's it's uh, just noah and his family that survives the flood and then it's you know moses and and the people of israel that escape from uh from egypt and then you know it's uh when he tells elijah you know i've got seven thousand people i've got a remnant of just seven thousand people who have not uh, bowed the knee to Baal. And, uh, and so there's always this remnant. And then even in the New Testament, there's, there's the Jews in general, but then there's the believing Jews. And those are really the remnant within, you know, um, 
the nation of Israel. And so anyways, after that, we see his people are not really a remnant anymore. His people make up about one third of the world. And uh, that's been increasing for, you know, two millennia now. It's been getting more and more. Um, you know, it obviously was not one third of the world in the first century, but now it is. And so it's been expanding. And uh, the Great Commission <laughs> is obviously a huge part of this. So in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, uh, it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He says, baptize the nations. And so this is possible to do because Satan has been bound and is not able to deceive the nations. Um, So very important point. So I just thought I would talk a little bit about how the Great Commission Uh, has been and will continue to be successful. Um, Ah, love that coffee. Um, (laughs) We we see that the Bible is always kind of describing the kingdom as something that's growing and expanding, and I think throughout history we can obviously see that as well. Um, You know, obviously I just said that one-third of the world is is considered Christian, or at least, um, you know describes themselves that way so that's something um you know but but also um a huge part of you know the expanding of the kingdom is persecution and martyrdom and uh, we see in acts that the the biggest growths in the church come right after huge you know um uh, persecutions on the church um like right after the stoning of stephen there's a huge um you know amount of people getting saved and uh right after uh peter's imprisoned there's a bunch of people getting saved so it just tends to follow big persecutions are you know followed by big um awakenings and and big um you know massive amounts of people getting saved so um also in uh, china and iran those are two of the biggest growing or fastest growing churches on the planet right now. Um, And, you know, I don't know if you know much about China and Iran, but uh, they're they're pretty um, persecuted countries um, or the Christians there are are pretty persecuted. Um, It's not a friendly place to uh, Christianity, either of those places, and they're both the fastest growing churches. So it just goes to show that when Christianity is under persecution, that's when it grows the fastest. That's when it spreads the farthest. And um, I think that's that's well seen in the Bible. Uh, way back in Genesis 17, 1 through 7, yes, God is talking about the kingdom all the way back then. Genesis 17, 1 through 7, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram. I'm sorry, when Abram was, his name hadn't been changed yet. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. 
Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, plural, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. So we see even in the uh, the covenant with Abraham, the uh, circumcision covenant in Genesis 17, um, he's telling Abraham, you're going to be the father of a multitude of nations. You know, that doesn't sound like he's just talking about Israel. It sounds like he's talking about a lot of nations. And, you know, Galatians even tells us that if you are, um, you know, if you're in Christ, you're an offspring of Abraham in, in the spiritual sense. Um, so, you know, Abraham is is sort of this, in a way, the spiritual father to the Christians all over the planet today. And um, I think, oh, it's the next one. Yeah, in Genesis 22, 17 through 18, it says, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore and your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. And we also know from Galatians that when it says offspring, it's talking about Jesus specifically through Jesus, all the nations of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Um, so huge, huge things in there. Um, your, your offspring will be as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. Um, that doesn't sound like we're talking about, you know, a remnant, uh, you know, like 144,000 <laughs> are gonna, are gonna be saved and that's it. Not a single person over that. No, it's, it sounds like, uh, I could even argue that it sounds like the majority of humanity is going to be saved in, uh, in, in the grand scheme of things. And I think if you account for infant mortality, that would, that would already be true. But I think as the generations go on, as history progresses, and we've already seen over the last 2000 years that Christianity has grown so substantially, I think in another 1500 years, um, you know, the world might be 65% Christian, you know, I don't, I don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but um, what I do know is that it's always growing and there might be dips, there might be valleys, but there's always going to be those peaks and there's always going to be in the long run, the graph is, is going upward. You know, the graph of the kingdom is, uh, is always trending upward. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't know what it's going to look like in all those years, but I, I think it's safe to say that it'll be even more Christian and maybe over the course of the next 4,000 years, I don't know how long it's going to be before Jesus comes back, but um, however long it is, I'm sure we'll see in the long run that uh, the majority of, of Christian or the majority of humanity is Christian. You know, I think I think we're already almost there if we account for infant mortality, in, in my opinion. So moving on to the New Testament, we've got uh, Matthew 13, 31 through 33 where um, Jesus, 
he put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. So um, we've got this growing and expanding um, vision of the of the kingdom that uh, it's like a tiny little seed. You know, can you even see that? Can you even see how small it is? Um, it's this tiny little seed, and then it's planted, and it grows to be this gigantic tree that birds are are nesting in the branches of, and uh, and it's also like a little bit of leaven that a woman took and hid in flour until it was all leavened. It expanded throughout all the flour, and and all the flour was leavened after that. Um, says something similar in Mark 26 through 29. The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, uh, then the full grain of in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Again, we get this this view of the kingdom growing and expanding. Um, Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, this is Old Testament looking forward to Christ, says, for to us a child is born. This is the Christmas verse. This is Christmas. (laughs) To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So, um, of the increase of his government and of peace, peace is part of his government, the increase of peace, there will be no end. So, once once this prince of peace this uh, you know wonderful counselor comes. That's Jesus. Once he comes, the increase of peace will know no end, and uh, he will be on the throne of David over his kingdom. We saw last week in Acts two that Peter considered um, the resurrection and the ascension as um, a fulfillment of this Davidic kingdom promise. So we know that's happened. And he will establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. Um, we also see, I'm going to go back to that one, but uh, just a couple more here. Just, you know, who doesn't like to hear scripture, right? Um, <laughs> this is a longer one, but in Daniel 2, 31 through 45, it says, You saw, O king, and behold, a great image. I believe he's interpreting a dream here. This image, mighty and of exceeding brightness, stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. The head of this image was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its middle and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. 
as you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold all together were broken in pieces and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream. Now we will tell the king its interpretation. You, O king, the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power and the might and the glory, and into whose hand he has given whatever they, wherever they dwell, the children of man, the beasts of the field, and the birds of the heavens, making you rule over them all. You are the head of gold. Another kingdom inferior to you shall arise after you, and yet a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. And there shall be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, because iron breaks to pieces and shatters all things. And like iron that crushes, it shall break and crush all these. And you saw... And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever, just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no hand, no human hand, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. A great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain, and its interpretation is true. Now, that was a very long passage. You probably think I didn't need to read all that, but lots of important. I mean, you kind of have to take the whole picture all at once. Uh, It's an image of an idol, um, an idol that would represent kingdoms later to come. I believe one of these is is Rome. I don't remember which one, probably the iron one, but um, this kingdom, this this idol of all these, you know, bronze and clay and iron and all these things, um, this this little stone comes out that's not cut out by human hands and it breaks the idol and then it grows into this huge mountain on the earth and it and it takes over the whole earth and and this is the kingdom that God has set up on earth. That's what it says. We see in this that uh, this, the kingdom of God is going to crush idols, crush nations, crush uh, kingdoms, and then grow into this massive thing that, uh, you know, it's going to grow from a small thing into this, into this huge thing. And then finally, um, two more, I shouldn't say finally, Um, Psalm 72, eight through 11 This is about the king in the millennial kingdom. Uh, May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May desert tribes bow down before him and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and the coastlands render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. May all kings fall down before him, all nations serve him. So even in the Old Testament, which was, you know, the word nations was synonymous with pagans and, and, you know, not followers of God. Even then we see this, this foretelling of a kingdom of the millennial kingdom, I believe. Um, 
you know, in Psalm 72. And even then it is saying that in this kingdom, the kings of Tarshish, uh, the coastlands, the kings of Sheba and Seba are going to bring him gifts. All the kings are going to bow down to the messianic king. All the nations are going to serve him. So this this mystery that Paul talks about in, in Ephesians 3 has been embedded in there for a long time. Um, and then finally, just, you know, for the sake of, um, I thought this was something good that I didn't talk about last week, uh, Luke 17, 20 through 21. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is, or there, for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And I just wanted to end with that verse because I think we can get really hung up on, you know, trying to identify the kingdom. And, you know, I would say, like, here's all the things I would point to to say, uh, you know, the millennial kingdom is here and that it's grown and that it's, you know, it's it's been growing for 2000 years. And then the premillennialists will come and say, like, well, here's all the reasons. Here's all the things I'm not seeing that need to be happening in the in the kingdom. And then the amillennialist probably wouldn't engage with the conversation at all. <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, all that to say is that uh, Jesus is pretty clear that it's not going to be like, um, you know, Jesus has his second coming and then institutes this millennial kingdom on earth. That's like distinctively Jewish and all this stuff because everyone would be able to look at it and say, there it is. Yeah. There, there's the kingdom. Like that's pretty clearly the kingdom. Um, Jesus, I think is pretty upfront here when he says that, um, you know, you're, you're probably not going to recognize it for generations. You know, it's, it's in the midst of you. I mean, he said, the kingdom of God is at hand. Like that was one of the first things that he said when he started his public ministry. So, um, you know, it's not going to be like, um, you know, and I think the disciples were disappointed that he was not like a, a military strategist who, uh, you know, overthrew Rome and, and freed the slaves and stuff. Um, I think that's what he, he means. He, he means like, Hey, it's not going to come in ways that you're going to see and instantly recognize. But in 2000 years, third of the world is going to be Christian <laughs> and you're going to, you know, people are going to be able to look back and say like, Oh yeah, I guess it has kind of been, you know, and I'm obviously not saying that, that, you know, we couldn't see that until now. I think it's been pretty obvious for a long time, but even to the first century church, I think, you know, it was obvious that, um, what had taken place. Uh, but I just mean that to point out that it's like, yeah, there's certain things that, um, you know, are obvious in the moment. And then there's certain you know, impacts of the gospel and of the kingdom that are not apparent until maybe 2000 years have gone by. And maybe in another 1500 years, we'll see, you know, even more effects of it. But, um, yeah. So anyways, I, I thought I left out a huge portion of the talk last week by forgetting to talk about the great commission and how it's been successful and how it will continue to be successful and how um, the Great Commission is possible because Satan is bound in this kingdom and he is not able to deceive the nations anymore. Um, so, I guess I would just leave you with saying, uh, go go baptize the nations and uh, spread the gospel. <laughs> disciple, disciple all the nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Go make disciples, everybody. You ever... Uh, be told things like that not really know what to do with it 
uh, reading a good book right now. It's over there. I'm not going to go get it. Uh, Who Shall Ascend the Mountain of the Lord? It's one of the New Testament, uh, new studies in biblical theology um, series. And uh, I don't can almost see the name from here but i i can't remember um but it's about leviticus it's like a biblical theology of leviticus and kind of where it is in the canon and all that it means for the pentateuch and stuff and it's really good so i just figured i would throw that out there and uh yeah i think that's all i got so um you know the usual thing sign up for patreon buy a shirt do your thing uh subscribe to the youtube channel And uh, I will talk to you guys next week. Thanks a lot for watching. (laughs) 